0: Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the EFL Fantasy Podcast. My name is Angus. My name is Dan. And we're here to review the action from Game Week 35 so far. Um, Jamie can't be with us this evening. Um, we will hopefully have something for you at uh, some point this coming week uh, for him to review the um, stokes uh sort of result um at the weekend so you you will hopefully hear something from jamie this week but uh just the two of us this evening um dan how are you yeah
1: good loot and win um up to fifth uh gaffer (laughs) oh it's been frustrating first last few weeks especially with my strategy it's it's not good I've had basically. Well, we'll get into it in a minute.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's not been great. Um, I had the lovely distraction while everything was was going on at the at the weekend of being at the being at the Arsenal game, which uh, you know had action in it literally from beginning to end, <laughs> um, and then coming out and seeing everything that had happened. And uh, some of it was believable, some of it was less believable, which you know said we'll we'll cover we'll come to but uh yeah gaff are not ideal although i knew it wasn't gonna be ideal from sitting watching that game on friday night um but yeah so uh so just to lay out for people uh same as normal uh we will just cover how we're doing so far this game week we'll cover all of the the weekend's games um and we will answer your questions Um, Obviously, we won't be doing sort of the picks um, today because there's still more games to go in the game week. Um, But uh, so we'll start off with the game week scores so far. Um, I'm pretty sure mine is lower, so I'll go first. Uh, So I'm on 67 minus 12, um, although I do have a six pointer to come in off the bench. That'd be 73 minus 12 for sixty-one net. Um I'm on triple triple um despite that score. <laughs> um I had uh long in goal for two, Townsend one, Bogle two, Matson zero, who obviously didn't play, so that I'm getting Bell in off the bench for six. Um Wallace and Ndiaye as two parts of my triple triple, along with Fossu and Brownhill in midfield bradshaw and victor up front along with dk as the other part of my triple triple um so obviously with uh wallace and dk on the triple triple on 12 and the eyes on six and then a four from fossu one from brownhill eight from bradshaw and 19 from victor also have fleming's 14 on the bench so uh you know a little bit annoying there but certainly feels like uh I I really can't gauge it until sort of the the second half of the double, particularly on the triple triple, where it could swing so dramatically one way or the other. Um, so a little bit underwhelmed at the moment, but uh, ultimately I'll see how it how it plays out. Really, um, Dan, how's your game week gone so far?
1: Um, I got sixty six so far. Um, I'm also on triple triple. Uh, I rolled it rolled my transfers so i already had eight players going in eight doublers going into it um my three captains were wallace ndi and townsend wanted to put it on bogle but with the virus he had during midweek i just couldn't take the risk um so i had o'leary so far with three o'shea one townsend on three him being my triple triple both to Sykes to Fleming 14, Wallace 12, NDI 6, Adebayo 2, Victor 19 and McBurney 2 so basically my single players are holding my, t- my team up with Fleming and Victor so I am on a small red arrow down to 106. um Will I ever get back into the top 100? <laughs> but um, yeah, it's highly frustrating. The three teams I picked to focus on, Bristol City, West Brom, and sheffield I didn't win. <laughs> yeah. It didn't score, so yeah, it's got as bad as possible. But yeah, it's only halfway through.
0: Yeah. Uh, I should say of course with speaking about ranks uh, since I got after the budget buster to, to touching distance of the first page in 29th I've now dropped down to ninth so far so not terrible but um you know similar to what you were saying that the first page continues to sort of you know escape me <laughs> but yeah we will uh we'll get into some of these games um obviously quite a lot happened and uh there's there's a lot to discuss. Some teams we haven't necessarily discussed as much will will come up as well. Um, one of those with I, th- I think we we'll probably have to call it this the surprise result of the of the weekend um, is uh, Stoke beating Sunderland five one. Um, so Dan, talk to us a little bit about this one.
1: Yeah. So lineups, Pritchard started in centre mid, and Michu was put to the bench. Uh, for Stoke, Hover uh, Ho- and Campbell were in, Fox was benched. Um, yeah, I, I was obviously at the Lewin game and I had the flash score on. And uh, when there was a breaking play, I checked my phone and it I think it was like just great. I couldn't believe Stoke had managed to score this many goals, to be honest. Um, two goals each for Gail and Campbell. Uh, Three assists from Smallbone. Even just watching brief highlights, it it looked like Sunderland really struggled through the centre of the park. Um, Playing Pritchard deeper just didn't work. They didn't have a ball winner or or someone um, to dictate the play. Um, Yeah, and it was it was noticeable that they they really struggled with Smallbone's runs past the last man. He got in. Couple of times where he basically just had to square it for an oncoming um, striker to to put it away. Um, yeah, I, thought, I don't know what to make of state. They, they've they've been on pretty decent form though. I think the last uh, few games, to be honest, they've it's been a bit hit and miss. But they have they have they have won a few more games than they did previously. Um, So, yeah, I think Neil uh, would have enjoyed that as well. Going back to Sutherland, to he manage? Um, Yeah, it's it's really tricky. For Sutherland, I I think they're just maybe struggling now with no striker, young team, uh, the intensity of playing every every few days. Um, Not sure the squad's. That deep, either in certain areas, like it's okay, but they can't make three or four changes. Yeah. Um, I don't know what you, you thought, Angus.
0: Um, I was very impressed with what I saw, sort of on the highlights and everything from Stoke. Um, like you say, Smallbone stood out. Um, Campbell obviously did well. He finished his char- his two goals well. Um, Dwight Gale obviously had a great time um, given his Newcastle connections and uh, certainly enjoyed his celebration referencing the season where Newcastle went up and Sunderland went down. Um, So uh, that, that was quite funny, particularly given the season he's had that it will probably still be considered a success by him because he got to do that against Sunderland um i've obviously spoken recently about sunderland potentially running out of steam and it certainly seems that's the case at the moment it's it's not irreparable they can sort of bounce back a little bit they do have time for that but um it does feel like they've run out of a little bit of steam um obviously i didn't see this coming um, and you know Stoker put together a, almost a little series of results just when they needed it just when there there was an element of looking over their shoulder and then they just they, they picked up just enough points that I think they' they're probably going to be all right now and can probably start looking ahead to next season um, which they haven't been able to do for a while um Sunderland I think they're probably gonna they're probably gonna drift back into what will still have been a very successful first season back but i think you know that they'll probably lose a little bit of touch in the in the playoff race obviously this result was particularly bad for them um i'm not saying they're going to you know suddenly start shipping fours and fives but um it, you know it might be a case they've got they've got a horrible little run coming up as well um so they probably could have done uh with the result in this it's not saying they can't get something against some of those better teams but um it it might be time to sort of you know come off the Sunderland assets now as a result um but yeah massive for Stoke um Alex Neil did sort of talk in his post-match interview as well about like how he understood some of the negative feelings towards him from Sunderland fans um particularly over sort of the way he left um but he had no ill will towards them but you know given that he was getting that from them I'm sure he I'm sure he very much enjoyed the result. There. Um, in terms of assets, I know I said about potentially coming off Sunderland, you know, um, I'm, I'm not sure we're really going to sit here, here and talk people into stoke assets, are we?
1: I don't think so. <laughs> no. See the the odd fox around.
0: Yeah, who obviously didn't start, but then had to come off the bench because I think, Ben Wilmot got injured and still played over 60 so he got his two points but um yeah I mean next four they they play um Blackburn Middlesbrough Norwich and Coventry I don't think you're going to be looking at Stoke now that I've seen that fixture right, I feel feel silly for even asking if we we're going to try and talk people into Stoke assets um But yeah, so obviously massive result for them, and uh, as I said at the start, hopefully we'll we'll get something with Jamie sort of maybe uh, slightly later in the week, just to just to tell you how amazing Stoke are and um, give it
1: when Jamie's happy. Content wise, is that what I think so? (laughs)
0: Um yeah you, you just want that little element of sort of like you know confidence into him because then he starts shit talking other people and whatever so i think i well, mean you'll he have... shit talk people anyway but like you know when stoke are sort of good it it just adds a adds a little element to it that i quite enjoy so uh yeah and plus you know if they if they do well it's then funnier when they don't again so uh yeah, it's it's all it all slots together. Um, but we'll move on from Stoke. Uh, the next game we've got, which was uh, obviously a very impactful game, uh, Millwall 2, Norwich 3. Uh, so Dan, talk to us about this one.
1: Yeah, so for Millwall, Saville and Burke were in. Um, for Shackleton and for the Slammer, uh, Norwich, Poogie and Giannoulis were in uh Hernandez moved to the right I, I, I think this was more to target um Murray Wallace um yeah just free two so that's um two games in a row where Mill have conceded two or more goals they played Lou and they're not um, midweek before and they've had a r- really tough run if you think they They've played Burnley, Sheffield United, Luton and Norwich in in that time. And basically every three or four days. So I wonder if it's more of just it all catching up with them. Um, But yeah, um, Sarah, goal and assist. um, Seems to be playing a, a bit further forward now and seems to have adapted to the league. Um, he, sh- he, sh- he showed flashes at the start of the season what he could do, but he, he now seems to have found his feet under Wagner. Um, in the last five games, he's got three goals and two assists, so I think he's 7-9. Maybe he'll be an option with, the, with their fixtures moving forward. Um, for Wallace, uh, for Millwall, is, I think... They're fine to have. I, moving forward, um, Bradshaw and Fleming again getting the goals. Um, saw them live. They're they're a handful. Um, yeah, I just think they're a good options. Um, I've got McNamara. Happy to have him in defence. I'm not sure how much he's going to do attacking wise, but I think he'll be he's pretty solid. Um, He's actually one of the the only players I've seen live that actually impressed me. I think he goes under the radar. He's probably one of the best right backs in the league. Definitely one of the best all round right backs, I'd say. Um, And an interesting thing, I I watched um, like a fan video the other day. I wanted to hear their views on uh, the Lewin game from Millwall and they're not impressed with long. So I wonder if they have got Barkowski in the background. So I wonder if maybe I don't want to frighten everyone. I've got long as well, but yeah, they weren't very happy with long. So I wonder if it's a matter of time where he could get dropped. Yeah. Norwich, Norwich players are back on the radar now. I think they've got a nice little run. What about you?
0: Yeah. I mean, I'll just start on that long point, actually. Um, I did think that with the goal. I know it took a little nick off the defender in front of him, but he didn't He didn't handle what should have been a relatively straightforward shot particularly well. Um, and like you say, when they've got a goalkeeper there, um, even if they're not necessarily planning for him to be their goalkeeper long-term, um, which is part of what they said. I mean, long wasn't necessarily going to be the long-term option, but he could have been involved where Bielkovsky is almost certainly going to be leaving in the summer. But I do think it's different for them when they've they're right in the mix for a playoff place you know that it it might change if if long is going to be any element of a liability they'll make that change i think Uh, but yeah i think um you know tom bradshaw uh got a goal again (laughs) um yeah um Fleming obviously got a goal um, a little bit alarming for them in terms of the, the conceding goals again, but I, th- I think they're fine. I think they're, you know, Norwich are doing well. And I think if you look at the so even just some of the basic numbers from that game, they they were clearly doing absolutely fine. Again, They co- they well outshot Norwich, for example. Um, I think it was 22 to nine in terms of shots in Millwall's favour. Um, only eight to five in terms of on target, but it just shows that Millwall was certainly very much in this game. Um, and so I, I think it's not necessarily a concern, particularly... Well, I don't think it's a concern whether you own the attackers or the defenders, because, I mean, you know, Norwich have had, you know, five shots on target and got three goals, like, you know... Um, so I think, you know, Millwall's still very much on the on the table. Um, still in the midst of a... De- or they've got a decent run now. I think, you know, that's one of the things about the the tough run of fixtures they've had is, it you know, it now gets a bit nicer for them. Um, you know, they go Reading, Swansea, Huddersfield, then play West Brom and Luton, but then Hull, Preston, Birmingham, like you know the the millwall players probably at a point which people will be grateful for at this point where barring injury you probably don't have to like think about moving them you can just leave them there um particularly the your, your likes of you know fleming and bradshaw and i think if you've got a defender um i think like you know long as we said might become an issue um if you've got someone like a you know wattmore or um you know something like that you you're gonna have to move it but um if you've got you know sort of a Bradshaw or a Fleming, McNamara, Cooper um you you can probably leave them there for a good while now which is probably quite positive for people really where you're looking at guys you might have to replace and whatever and you've got the Millwall guys that can actually just sit there for a good while now. Um Norwich, as you say, I think they're back on the table now. Um Sara um I think is playing well. Um Hernandez, I'm still not his biggest fan. Um and I'll continue to not be his biggest fan. Um but I think that there's still some merit to him. Uh Pukie obviously back in the team. Um and yeah I do think they uh will be an option going forward um still got sergeant to come back in i think they're they're hoping that he'll be back quite soon as well um which will obviously help things um a big win for them in what was a you know a big game in the playoff uh, battle um but we'll move on to our next game um which is middlesbrough five reading nil um before I ask you for sort of the lineup details and whatever um I'm sure everyone enjoyed the chaos whether you were following on apps or on the tv over particularly how many goals had Tuba Akpom scored um there were so many different comments which particularly coming out of the the Arsenal game I was very confused when people couldn't work out how many goals Tuba Akpom had scored <laughs> um but yeah that that uh that sort of sets up the conversation, but Dan, talk to us about this one.
1: Yeah, so for Borough, Fry and Ramsey were in for McNair and Force. Uh, Reading, Yeardom, Shane Long and Buzanis. Obviously, uh, Lumley can't play against Borough because he's loaned from them. Um, yeah, absolutely about 5-0. Uh, two goals apiece for Ramsey and Atcon, two assists for Giles. Um now got twenty-one goals for ACPOM Um yeah, they're very, very good borough. They had that blip against West Brom and um we said it would only be a blip. Um not sure if they'll catch Sheffield United. I think we'll know more of that with Sheffield United's game against Red in midweek, but keep putting the pressure. They're they're almost at the point where there is no pressure on them. I think they're going to get playoffs and it's just must be quite enjoyable playing at the minute because it's easier being the chaser Um, but yeah Akpom again as someone who don't own Akpom I've got to get him back and he'll be back in this week Um, the main question is how many more Middlesbrough do I get in because the lineup looks okay like the bus team looks okay. I could probably get away with it, but do want to risk going out with, with one of those midfielders or or Giles. Giles is the one. Al- although Giles hasn't really done that much. He's going to left back, but he he does have these games where he can just hit monster halls. Um, yeah, read in It's it's Reading, isn't it? They've, the biggest news for them is that there's a high chance they're going to get a points deduction this week. It, um sounds like it's going to be probably 6 from what i've heard
0: yeah that that was that seemed to be the indication from what i'd read that it might be another 6 point penalty um
1: that frozen a bit more into relegation battle but yeah we did mention ints because obviously they are one of the doubles teams so yeah that's not gone that well because he also booked i think but yeah they've still got another game um but borough, yeah. get yeah, act and then just fill your team up with <laughs>
0: um yeah, obviously this could have been a little bit different. Um, there was a I, I think a strong penalty shout for Reading after about I think it was about fourteen minutes for a challenge by Tommy Smith. Yeah. Um obviously if that gets given that changes things. Um, I know Paul Lintz also had a complaint about the the, pe- the first penalty. Middlesbrough got given for the handball that's a penalty um like, you know it's sort of um particularly we know that's that sort of thing is a penalty at this point like we've seen it enough at this point to know that that that's a penalty um but yeah obviously uh Aaron Ramsey we saw him uh for a period uh with Norwich in the first half of the season he looks a a, a decent young player um Obviously, he's got a couple of goals in this game, and I think um, he could be an option uh, going forward as well with them, um, because he will sort of play uh, the sort of support role that they want in this system. So I think he could be he could be very useful. Um, but yeah, Giles is the is the main one I'm looking at, and uh, Akpom um, I basically haven't owned him, but I think it, it, he is sort of one of those that that has to come in. Um, I think they they were sort of saying on the highlight show, I think before this season, he hadn't had more than five league goals in a season. And he's now got 21 this season, uh, which is just remarkable, really. Um, But yeah, um, the only consolation for non-owners was he got booked for taking his shirt off, I think, on the second goal. (laughs) Um, but yeah, they're they're sort of they're really putting the pressure on uh, Sheffield United in terms of um, any potential slips from them. Obviously, that Sheffield United have the game in hand in midweek. If they win, it goes to seven points, and I think going out beyond two results um, sort of creates a little bit more of a buffer at this point. But if they don't win and it's less than six points, um, the pressure is right back on. Um, and so I think Middlesbrough, you know, it, that won't necessarily affect how hard they push. They're playing well at the moment and they'll continue to do so. But, you know, it could become very interesting if, if that sort of, you know, really comes into view for them. Um, but yeah, I think you can pick almost like, you know, any number of of the players in that team, um, depending on sort of your your relative price points and positions there's there's something there's something for everyone in the Middlesbrough team at the moment um Reading yeah it just wasn't a great day for them like I say maybe it's different if that if that early penalty gets given um you know but again it's it's one of those things not necessarily stressing too much um these these sorts of games can happen um and but I I wouldn't be going near them um, in terms of uh, in terms of gaffer assets. Uh, it's it's not sort of a disastrous run coming up, but um, I, I certainly wouldn't be looking to buy. Um. So yeah, so we'll move on from them. The next game, which was a, a big game for well at least one of these teams, um, Rotherham three QPR one. Uh, Dan talk to us about this one.
1: Yeah, so Robham uh Harding and Adolphin was in. Um for QPR, Adoma, Drew were in for Powell and Chair and the main man Hugh. There was two goals. Um I think we we thought the uh, January transfer window would be a uh, a, bit, a big month for Robben. And I think they've actually came out a lot stronger than, than what they went into it. Um, I know they lost Barlas, who was at the point probably one of the best centre mids in in the league. But um, just some of the players they brought in um, in the defence, you had um, Hilda, um Bailey Wright, who then also brought in Osu and and Hugo and they've just got a bit more championship experience and probably championship players whereas at the start of the season I, I didn't feel like they did have that um, and that being said though that they are playing this QPR side is, is absolutely terrible at the minute and it it They've got a lot of injuries. They're now having to play Kai Kai, at left back, who you might even argue, I'm not even sure, he's a, a championship right back. Um, Albert, I like Adoma. He was good four years ago, but he shouldn't be starting in, in the championship. Um, and uh, Rob Dickey. Oh my word. I, when you think, what, a year ago he was being talked about as one of the best centre-backs in the league. And I know that was in a, a back three at the time. He can't play in a back two. He's, um, his positioning was terrible. Um, yeah, they're in a lot of trouble. They they need in the international break as quickly as possible. One, so Ainsworth can like, teach him how to defend. And two... They need to get some players back. Um, they've now conceded two goals in eight of the last eleven, and three in the last uh, three and six of those eleven. And bear in mind, this is this is Rotherham. Who...
0: Yeah, I was about to say it's not even like they've been playing a murderer's row in that in that series of games.
1: <laughs> yeah. This is Rotherham, who, like I said, they have got better, but they're not one of the top side. Blackburn, I know they've had some tricky games, but I I worry about QPR. And the only thing that's saving them is the bottom three teams is probably so bad that they'll probably (laughs) just. Yeah, you you think until the next three games, the international break, they play Watford. They then play that massive game with Blackpool and Birmingham, so. It's not ideal but yeah they just need that international break quickly um i won't be going near qpr as in i won't be bringing in their players
0: but i've already been targeting them <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's,
1: was it fossy
0: he had he played fossy yeah. he didn't really get anything but you know yeah, yeah. It's, uh, you've got to play them against uh, against QPR. Um, yeah, you know, and, and I think with with the Rotherham guys, I think if you're on someone like a Fosu or an Agbene, um, they're perfectly fine to stick around at this point. Even one of the defenders, um, you know, you can play them in the better games, bench them otherwise. It's not really a problem. They've got a decent run of fixtures uh, coming up, so. You might want to stick them in the team for a couple of games, but um, they they've got a decent looking fixture against Cardiff in the blank as well in thirty eight, which um, which potentially helps you in terms of maybe it allows you to hold an extra an extra player from um, Burnley or Sheffield United or West Brom, yeah. Um, by, by playing your Rotherham player instead. So I th- so that there is some merit to them at this point. But uh, yeah, um, they're fine in terms of the, the assets. And uh, I, I'm still very much to the viewpoint, particularly until the international break, of uh, potentially looking to target QPR. Um, but we'll move on to our next game, uh, which was Huddersfield nil, Coventry 4. Um, Dan kick us off on this one
1: yes I just feel changed to a 3-5-2 after getting battered by Burnley um, Matty Pearson and Loughton were in so uh Hogg and Scott High uh, Coventry they changed their wing backs they've been doing quite quite a lot recently Dabo and Wilson Espren came in for um Newton Coffee. is it Newton Coffee? Norton, Norton
0: Coffee. Coffee. Yeah.
1: Norton Co- I'll get it right eventually. Yeah. And been talking about him all year. And <laughs> Bidwell. And a uh, youngster, how we started obviously uh, no Palmer, no Allen. Uh, they were a bit light in uh, attacking the centre mid role. Uh, Godham was playing up front with Victor. And um, we've got to talk about Victor again, Angus. Uh, <laughs> Goals and assists, like everyone's got him right. He, he's he's near near enough at Mitrovic and Solanke and and Tony levels. At the minute.
0: Um, the only people I can see not having him is the people who've gone in for sort of like a budget buster this week. Um, and and if they don't, they've probably had him up until this point, and they're working out urgently how to get him back. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's he's one of the best players in the division, um, if not the best. Um, I'm not going to get into too much of a debate about whether he is the best player in the division or one of the best, because it doesn't really matter.
1: hey <laughs> tell you something, Angus. He won't be in this division next no, year. No,
0: one, one way or another, he's not playing in the championship next season. Yeah. Um, and uh but yeah uh it's, it's very good um you know we we've waxed lyrical a lot about him um one one sort of i i came in with a slightly different spin uh someone different to talk about <laughs> which is uh gustavo harmer um so i've mentioned him a couple of times on the pop but i He's he's been doing really well for them this season. He's obviously been very important. They, they've had to sort of mix and match some of the players around him in terms of both the central midfield and the attacking midfield. And he's kept it sort of ticking along all through the season. Um, I think it's, like, um, it's only sort of early March now and he's matched his goal output from last season. Um, I think that's what they said. Um, and the big thing in terms of what we spoke about last season and early this season... He's not really getting booked. I mean, he's still picking up some bookings, but like, he's not getting booked at the same rate, um, which obviously makes a big difference. Um, He also had a nasty habit of then getting sent off a few times, but his his ongoing availability makes a massive difference to them in there. And um, yeah, I just thought I, you know, it was worth just sort of. Mentioning him again, in part because you know, you could just keep talking about Victor over and over again, and uh, yeah, he's great. <laughs> um, couple, couple of things to, to bring up here. One, I'd just like to uh, uh Dan knows that because I've been talking about this today. Um, the ITV highlights show put this on 10th in the running order behind two nil nils, neither of which were particularly great nil nils either. Um, and behind uh, a one-all draw between Birmingham and Wigan. Uh, so, you know, clearly they've got Coventry fatigue, I guess, because that's the only j- explanation. Um, and then a question I had for you, because obviously people do have the, the, the sort of still have their Coventry assets. Uh, we mentioned Victor, no one's sort of doing anything with him. If you've got sort of Allen or Palmer, if you haven't sold already, you're selling. Um, I know a few are on Harmer. He's absolutely fine. If you're on Norton, Coffee, and Bidwell, well, one of them, because you're probably not on both. Uh, what would you tell people to do if they're on if they're on one of those two?
1: Yeah, it's frustrating, isn't it? Because I think they are pretty decent options when they're available. But we've seen now, especially in in three games and weeks where they'll just change both of them and it doesn't seem like any rhyme or reason he he just thinks they need to change and he's quite happy he obviously feels that there's four well two right wing backs two left wing backs that are pretty similar ability and to be honest they probably are there's, there's not much in them and he'll just change them um I probably keep them but only if you and I would change them if they they have something to do or they want a player like if you want to get Giles or or someone like that then I would do that
0: yeah um I think it wouldn't necessarily be urgent for me particularly just sort of you know you know it's going to happen but with a couple of their games coming up it might be worth sort of holding on to them with the blank coming up you might want to sort of you know um prioritize other sales for example but yeah i'd certainly have an eye on it in terms of potentially moving those guys out um but the the last of that we'll move on and the last of the sort of feature games we've got was the friday night game which we've sort of mentioned a couple of times um which i know dan is is very excited to talk about (laughs) um which is hull to west brom nil uh, so Dan, kick us off on this one.
1: Yeah, so Hull made four changes: Coyle, Elder, Longman, and Tete played. We're in uh, for West Brom, all Brighton. We're in for Dean Garner, who, who was injured. Um, and yeah, I was, I was watching the game like I'm, I'm guessing a lot of people were, and um, West Brom absolutely battered them. Was it for twenty, twenty-five minutes? And yeah. As someone who didn't own DK, I, it wasn't a pleasant watch because I think he missed t- two chances in this time. And there was one point where I thought I was going to have two, a double return from a Townsend lacrosse and a Wallace uh, shot who he hit straight at him. And we've seen this probably for about two years now. Well, West Brom, it, it doesn't matter who's playing. they They're just not clinical enough um and it, it's not like it's even one player it's it's numerous players they just go through games where they just can't seem to score um literally the first time hole went up the other end they scored with Tete to be honest it was a, gr- a great finish yeah shoot. um it he was obviously starting because they felt like they could build build into him so he he could hold the ball up um stupid and didn't play he was on the bench and it's sort of, it they were they weren't even able to do that until there was a break in play and senior got them all together and um <coughs> sorry he um they changed shape. But um but yeah and it's just a really weird match to watch where it was constantly West Brom in the ascendancy but every now and again Hull would um, get a chance or or score and they scored the second from a set piece which I think you'd find would be a bit surprising considering West Brom seemed to score from a lot of set piece goals um, but yeah I was quite Glad that Gafford don't do own goals because that would have been no Shea who I had in my team.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um a lot of owners for him, and you're all lucky. Very, very lucky. Um you know, I mean, it wasn't great, but it could have been worse. Um, like you say, it was great goal from Tete out of basically nothing. Um and yeah, the, like, uh, the, there was the change, and um, they, like, West Brom were just so poor. Um, they, they, you know, they did create chances, but at the same time, they were just so poor. Um, there was no conviction to it, um, and a couple of the good chances they did create fell to Adam Breach, who then, looked, when he gets into a shooting position, looks like he suddenly forgets which foot is which let alone how to kick a ball um and i think the the lack of squad um depth on the night rather than sort of you know in a in a larger sense um did show up when they were trying to change things in this game you know with no Dean no Rogic, no grant no thomas asante that they didn't really have a way to change it in the attacking areas. You know, that someone like reach was basically the only thing they could do um, to, to, you know, in that area. Um, Nathaniel Chalabar played 35 minutes. I still don't know what the point of him being on the pitch was. Um, he just seemed to stroll around occasionally, sort of kick the ball, uh, not really tackle anyone. Um very rarely break into a sprint. Um, never seemed to look like he was particularly interested in being there. So, um, But that was the weird thing in that West Brom were in the ascendancy for for much of the game. I'm not sure how threatened Hull felt. I mean, there were a few chances and Carl Darlow did well. Um, but like, you know, they would even have isolated chances. Where all of a sudden, you know, they'd, they'd go on the attack and it would be like, you know, panic stations, and you know. Um, and so I think that would be a little bit of a concern from a West, West Brom point of view, was, you know, almost... Ha- you can't legislate for losing, like, you know, two-thirds of your attacking players, like... But how quickly they their organisation seemed to fall apart at the back when they got attacked um particularly under a manager like Corboran, that seems to be on the players rather than the system that's that sort of almost player error um and we'll see how it goes in the in what is obviously a massive uh game in midweek for them now it's sort of must win um but it does this put you off i mean you know a lot of us are now on triple or uh some people only on double west brom does this put you off, sort of like keeping them? Are there? I, I know there's questions coming later about sort of potentially selling them, but um, do you any do you view any of them as better or worse at this point?
1: I think it's so weird because at home they're they're really good. They keep clean sheets with ease, and the last they've lost the last four away games and conceded nine goals. It's just really weird, and as you mentioned, Corbrand we heard anything from his Huddersfield side last year, he knew, he knew how to go ahead and win a match or, or take the lead but they just don't seem to be doing the basics correctly I'm also thinking, why is Peter still playing centre-back?
0: You mean now that Ajayi's back?
1: Yeah, well, why yeah, is I, don't, still? I
0: don't know <laughs> I don't know
1: Like he'd be the first thing I, I would sort out but
0: yeah. yeah, I mean I was so confused by the likes of Adam Reach and Nathaniel Chalabar that I forgot about the Eric Peters thing.
1: <laughs> yeah. But but man, it's a it's a big week. I think we think that West Brom have been on a decent run and they're they're in and around the playoffs and, and yes they can still get it. But they, but they're seven points off the playoffs now. Yeah. Like they're getting to the point where they're gonna have to go on two points per game and even then they 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 might not get enough
0: yeah That's- and it's going to be tough for them um particularly if these are t- if these attacking players are out for any length of time and they're going to have to rely on the the same attacking players um one suggestion i would possibly deliver to them i know it's sort of like you know you don't want to change too much based on one game but based on John Swift's set-piece deliveries, not the free-kick where he hit the post, but the set-piece deliveries, I'd be looking at potentially changing that when you've got someone who can cross the ball like Jed Wallace. Um, yeah. John Swift really wasn't hitting the mark with those. So, um, you know, it might be that it's it's been better over the over a longer term and that was just a blip, but it was just something that sort of stood out in that game. Yeah. Um, but we'll briefly cover now the the other games. Um, so we had Blackburn 1, Sheffield United 0, Cardiff 2, Bristol City 0, Luton 1, Swansea 0, Blackpool 0, Burnley 0, Watford 0, Preston 0, and Wigan 1, Birmingham 1. Um, anything particularly you want to cover from those games, Dan?
1: Talk about um, um... I don't know what to say about it, about
0: I, I I said on Saturday they still make no sense.
1: I think they're making a bit more sense just because their formation actually looks like it it works now. Um, like they spent what was it, most of the season playing Gallagher on the wing. He's just, he's a target man. Just play him up front and build off of him and. What is interesting is recently they, they've had the front four of Thomas, uh, Sauber Thomas, Smodics in the 10, and and Dolan playing. Who we, we've always rated Dolan on the yeah. podcast. I, I can't believe he he constantly's been the bench option for two years. But since they've dropped Brerick and Diaz and and Dak being injured, but
0: they were well, injured.
1: <laughs> it, well, yeah. Um, but but and Diaz is back now and he's not starting um, team just looks a lot more balanced going forwards um, I think uh, ranking Constello has played well at right wing back uh, I know Pickering came back in obviously got the goal um, the, the team just starts to make sense I know there was a stage where they wasn't playing Travis I think he went out of form but He's, he's probably one of the most underrated players in the league. Um, I just look at the team and I, I just think the lineup makes more sense. And I know that you're playing Saturday, Tuesday a lot, but you shouldn't be making three, four changes every game, which will, John Tal Thompson was at the start of the season. And I think they just found a, a, a way of playing and it's working. Um, Yeah, we'll see. For someone who don't rate Bradburn, they seem to be picking up a lot of points. Yeah,
0: I mean, obviously with them, I think Gallagher had gone out of the team for a while because he obviously was playing as the striker before and he just wasn't very good. And so he got left out. And um, I I still think there's some merit to this idea of them playing when Brereton Diaz comes in, basically playing Dolan as the nine and um, having... Thomas Smodics and brereton Diaz behind, um, but we'll see what they do because Burton Diaz isn't going to stay out of the team. So it's just a case of what they do at that point. Um, We've won four in a row without a minute. Yeah, but he's he's not going to stay out of the team. Um, how, can he, how can he get back in? Well, I mean, Thomason has made it clear earlier in the season he doesn't think much of Sam Gallagher. Um, so. Even if he tells Brereton Diaz he has to go and play up front, um, that might end up being the solution. But um, it's only a matter of time before Sam Gallagher, um, I think, uh, comes out of the team. Um, But we'll see. Uh, Like I say, I'm I'm intrigued to see what what he does. Um, Sheffield United, I don't think it was too much reason for panic. Um, On another day, they get something out of this game. They weren't at their best, but um you know they they struggled a little bit in that game um i think there might have been a little bit mentally after big fa cup win in midweek um and obviously we know that there's been a virus in the camp so i you know i don't necessarily want to make total excuses but just like these things might just played a little bit of a role in it um obviously it's a big win for blackburn though um Otherwise, um, not a great deal to cover from the other games. Obviously, a big win for Cardiff. Um, if they, you know, they've got a couple of players into the team now who seemingly have a few goals in them. Even if they don't have a lot of goals in them, they have a few goals in them in Cabba and Connor Wickham for for however long Connor Wickham stays fit. Um, but we've said with Cardiff all along this season. Um, if if they can get a few goals they were defensively solid they just couldn't score any goals if they can just get enough goals they'll win a few games and they'll they'll be out of trouble um also very special mention in this game for the fact that we got an outfield player going in goal that that's the sort of thing i love we don't see it enough and uh, it just made me smile particularly uh, there was one point where there was a a flick on header uh, from a free kick and um, Perry and G who had gone and goal caught it. And he sort of did the calm down to everyone. It was like, he'd sort of been watching the goalkeeper and was like, Oh yeah. As a goalkeeper, after you've caught the ball, you tell everyone to calm down. <laughs> it was great. I think it's
1: one of those things though, where most clubs, they always have a player who thinks that they're a goalie. <laughs> you,
0: you know, you know, there's a, like that, you know, there's a number of clubs where like, players have sort of asked the manager like either if there's sort of a dead game at the end of the season or you know if the keeper gets sent off or whatever like they want to be the filling goalie Um, Perry and G loved it what what I also love about putting Perry and G in goal is he's not even six foot tall and they put him in goal where the solution for a lot of teams is to at least put one of the bigger players in goal where Cardiff like put Perry and G in there but you know it was late in the game and it was fine and um, so it was just you know really entertaining um, but yeah that's, that's uh,
1: <laughs> thinking on which loot I'm playing with Pelly <laughs> Rudd there we go. I like him you,
0: you, know this? You, you know there's probably a couple of them that like fancy themselves or whatever like, they're like oh yeah I could do that uh, <laughs> Yeah, I, d- I don't have much else to cover on these. Um, I also just like while I'm sort of complaining about the ITV highlights show, the fact that they put Burnley Blackpool's nil-nil draw to open the show, and didn't even have that many highlights. It's not like sort of a nil-nil where like you know, or like the the Wigan Birmingham game, the one-one where I think there was they also hit the woodwork like three times or something, where at, le- at least things are happening didn't really feel like the case in Burnley Blackpool so yeah so I just wanted to use that that opportunity to complain about um because we haven't complained about the running order of the the highlight show in a while and it felt like a particularly ridiculous one this week so uh, I enjoyed that
1: because I haven't been watching
0: the no neither have I I've been watching sort of the the individual highlights but I uh, oh. I ended up watching it this week and uh I just greatly enjoyed that so um it, it You know, the genuine element of... Uh, so which game is it going to be next? And nobody knows. Um, anything else you want to cover from these games, Dan? No, no, I
1: don't think so. Nothing really stood out, really.
0: I mean, Carlton Morris got a goal. Um, but, you know, that's just standard, really. Uh-huh.
1: Yeah. Walking back, it's Carlton Morris.
0: <laughs> yeah. um, so that's all the games. Um, we will uh just cover your questions now. um there's only been a few of them which uh follow a theme uh mostly, but uh I'm sure it's what people will be thinking about at the moment, and so we can we can sort of cover that and uh and then we'll be out of here ready for the the games in midweek and everything. um so Renarod nine has asked us how quickly are you moving out your players blanking in a few weeks? Um, they have good fixtures coming up. And what is the pronoun for Leanne, Jamie? Uh, so that's uh, them, they, them, uh, in part because, you know, it's clearly multiple people there um, managing the team uh, uh, because obviously uh, it, it's just it's just assistance from Jamie because obviously uh, one person can't have multiple teams. So uh, that's obviously what's going on there. Uh <laughs> But yeah, um, so I'll just I'll just weave in uh, a couple of the other questions because, in terms of when to sell players with regards to the double, or, or the blank, sorry, um, is a bit of a theme. And so there's just a couple that I'll um, just sort of. Well we'll come to them actually because there's slight variations on the same question uh, which might cause us to cover sl- slightly different things. Um, so in terms of this question how quickly are you thinking of moving out to the blanking players? Um, are you looking at it sort of right away or are you looking to sort of potentially stagger it out a bit longer?
1: Uh, so I've currently got three West Brom and three Sheffield United, which I'm guessing a lot of people will have. Um, this is tricky because Sheffield United, I probably want NDI and Bogle for sale And for West Brom, Wallace is is a decent option. So I think it'll be more of a gradual gradual take them out. Like I've got McBurney, they have Lou and I'll probably take him out this week, Um, I've got double West Brom defence against Huddersfield, I'll probably keep him in, so it's, it's, it will be staggered out throughout, throughout the game weeks leading to the blank.
0: Yeah, I think it's, it's that sort of priority thing, like obviously for me, I've got three West Brom, two Sheffield United and two Burnley, Um, but... The Burnley I've got, uh, for example, of Matson and Brownhill. Matson, we're waiting for further update on his injury, but obviously he was out of the squad at the weekend. Brownhill went off injured at the weekend. If they're going to be out for, say, a couple of weeks, which basically takes them up to the blank, they're obvious sells for me. Um, like you say, some of these guys like NDI, Wallace, Bogle, um, if I can get away with carrying through I'd probably want to but some of the the other guys I've got then become sort of like okay over the next sort of two to three weeks you know like you say what order do I sell them do I sort of look at you know even just individual fixtures week to week um and sort of say right you know this week I'm going to sell this this like you know someone like you know we were discussing before West Brom particularly defensively against Huddersfield you don't really want to be selling that um, you could make an argument as well for not selling DK ahead of playing Huddersfield. Um, but, you know, whereas some of the other ones, like, you know, if you have a Burnley player who isn't injured, they're playing Wigan this week. You, you don't want to be selling them. You're going to wait until a later week if you're going to sell them at all. Um, so I think it's, that there, there's sort of, you know, ele- arguments either way, but I think it's sort of like, it's almost like the first step um, and I'm sure this will apply to a couple of the questions that come afterwards. Is working out who you want to cut carry through, and thus who you need to sell, and then it should theoretically fall into place a little bit easier in that in that regard. Um, like I say, particularly if if it turns out someone like Josh Brownhill is injured, that then becomes much easier. Um, the FPL Commander has asked: Is Furlong and Townsend worth? holding on to for the foreseeable future or time to ditch them both what one by one until game week 38 um thoughts on this one dad ditching those those two i think he
1: the point on one by one is
0: yeah is
1: probably the key there like i said we'd fix this and then maybe gradually get rid of them i think i'd get rid of furlong first i think yeah
0: Yeah, I mean, he was obviously replaced earlier on um, Friday um, and it wasn't sort of like harsh or anything either. So um, that sort of thing might might make your mind up for you almost. But, yeah, I think, you know, those are the sorts of ones you're probably looking to gradually replace to 38. Uh, Chris Hermitage with a slightly different question uh, to the others said. What three Watford players are you bringing in against QPR next week? They're, they've got they've got a few options, but again, you know, you sort of have to work out which ones are going to play almost, and that, that element of sort of rotating it. But um, Saar obviously jumps out. Someone like Sema, um, you know, Araujo seems to. I mean Keenan Davies got left out, um, although he did then come on at half time, But yeah, um, so particularly if there's any sort of indication around that, perhaps that. Um, so yeah, so I think I think there's some options there. We we know sort of who who Watford have got, and it, it would it would primarily be attackers. If I if I'm looking to target with a QPR, I would target them with attackers. Yeah,
1: and and also. Watford haven't been consistent, have they? No. Um, this would be such a championship game where Ainsworth has a whole week to work on something and shit houses are
0: 1-0. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But uh, I, I'd still be looking to target QPR and oh. then be surprised rather than assume they're going to do that. <laughs> um you could maybe even make an argument for someone like um uh cuz QPR also seem to have an issue with deliveries into the box so someone like that could could be worthwhile <laughs> um if there's something defensively QPR probably have some element of issue with it at the moment (laughs) uh billy hadaway said is bogle a sell now with the upcoming blanks less appealing fixtures and threat of reduced minutes with baldock back also is it mad to get rid of ndi since there are quite a few other decent mids with better fixtures um so i mean one of the things to say is like a couple of those fixtures they've got coming up um, for example Sunderland don't necessarily look as bad now um, but your thoughts Dan on well we'll start with Bogle the idea of replacing Bogle particularly with that potential minutes threat again
1: it is a minutes threat and it probably is a worry like we I think um, bottom himself has has come out multiple times and said that they need to rotate um they are still in the cup which obviously isn't ideal as well so he is a risk and he does seem to trust Bulldog so in a three-game week Bogle's only going to play two games I think
0: yeah and I mean it shows that you know at the weekend Bogle I think it was 62 minutes he went off as well so you know, particularly if you're looking things like those second half clean sheets, um that yeah. that's the sort of thing that's potentially a threat as well.
1: Also the um he did have a virus. Yeah.
0: So. Yeah. yeah, so I, I wouldn't necessarily I, I do think there's something to not necessarily reading too much into the timing of that. But yeah, the the broader um rotation issue could be could be a thing for him. Um and Di, would you be looking to sell at any point now? It's so
1: hard. He's playing up front for one of the best teams in the league.
0: Yeah, I mean, for me, like, I know that sort of, you know, that they, they have the blank, and then two of the three games after that are Norwich and Burnley. He's one of those players that could that could easily return in those games. Yeah. You know, it's him, Victor, and Tom Bradshaw that uh, are fixture proof. Tom <laughs> <I'm> Bradshaw. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's one of those where you know he's. I mean, he's. You know, I, I know it wasn't a hundred percent full strength, but I mean, he came on and scored against Tottenham in the cup. Like, he can he can score against anyone, um, and so for me, I'd I'd be reluctant to sell him. He's someone that I think you know. Any team, any time, um, can get a return. Like you say, he's a midfielder playing up front for, for Sheffield United, one of the best teams in the division. So I'd be reluctant to sell personally. But uh, FPL remain said I've got I have three Sheffield United, Bogle and Di Norwood, and three West Brom Furlong Townsend Wallace. Which are the priority to get rid of before game week 38, and who should we be targeting to bring in? Um, well, I think we've mentioned in particular. I think Furlong there, um, the West Brom guys. Um, I think Norwood. I think Norwood's a good player, but I just think, particularly with those other, you know, the, the midfield options around, he's one I'd be I'd be looking to to move on. Um, he do, he doesn't quite have the the upside in the same way. Um, um as well so uh so those are the two that I'd probably prioritize I don't know if you have any sort of different thoughts to that Dan
1: no those would be the two um and then you've probably got the decision between Bogle and and Townsend I think Townsend starts
0: yeah uh, I think that that's the thing it's like you know it you might sort of just leave that Potentially get more uh, toward more towards thirty eight. Get more information, for example, over the next couple of games about that potential impact of ball of balduck et cetera, and then you can make a decision. Um, in terms of who to target, um, it's difficult to say. Sort of players at this point, but are there any particular teams, for example, Dan, that you'd be looking at um, to target when? Uh, yeah, I mean, Middlesbrough the main one when we're talking about, you know, bringing players in um, at the moment.
1: So they have a good run. I think they'll be frustrating, but they have a good run. Millwall, I think a good. Norwich. Yeah. Uh, Coventry. Coventry. Yeah,
0: Coventry good. have an amazing run. Um, you know, Watford, very good run. So I think, you know, it's 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 difficult for us to say for certain, you know, players because it partially depends on budget and, you know, your team setup and which one of those you're replacing and that sort of thing. Um, But, you know, those sort of four or five teams, those are those are the teams you should be looking at at this point. And we've covered most of them in the in the pod in terms of the the options. So I think, you know, it's then just picking out the ones you like um, within that. Um, and a similar question um, from FPL frustration uh, with many managers looking to replace assets who blank in game with 38, who are the best defensive and fielder options we should all, we should look to bring in many thanks gents. Um, so again, it sort of depends because, you know, again, budgets, you know, how many, you um, What your strategy is, whether you've used up all your boosts, whether you're still looking towards it, any number of things. So we've given you a few teams there, um, just to recap. We've sort of said the likes of Coventry, um, Middlesbrough, Millwall, Norwich, um, Watford. You're probably looking at them. I think you know, like I said, we've covered most of the players from those. um, So it's just a case of. Um, identifying both in terms of who you want um, and what your budget is um, in terms of then um, picking your replacements there really Um, and so that's all the questions Um, we like I said we might have something for you from Jamie uh, with regards to Stoke um, because I know a number of people have been wanting to hear uh, his reaction after the big victory at the weekend um we might have something for you in midweek um after the the three remaining games of the game week we'll work out um something if not um put something out in more prompt fashion uh, from the pod account uh, sort of rounding things up if we're not going to. Um but we'll let you know sort of uh, what we're gonna be doing. Um and apart from that All that's left for me to say is uh, thank you and goodbye.